0: Bird on. Bird on Spotify Green Room. First, 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 hello everyone! So happy that you are joining me uh, today for the first episode of Money Moves. Um, I am so excited to be here today to talk to you all. Uh, For those of you that don't know, in 2017, I made history by becoming the youngest trader at the New York Stock Exchange, as well as the second African-American woman equity trader to hold that position. I was there for about two years. My journey to Wall Street wasn't traditional by any means. I am originally from Georgia and... um, it studied genetics. <laughs> and the day that I graduated uh, college, December 17th, 20, gosh, it's been so long now, 2017? I, 2016, I hopped on a plane to New York and had no job prospects, had to network my butt off. And through the power of networking, very long story short, I was able to get a job at the New York Stock Exchange. I had to prove myself um, and take the Series 19, which had a fail rate of 80%. I ended up passing, and that is how I ended up making history. Um, but I, again, am just so excited to to be here with you guys and to have... You know, incredible conversations. I want to first start off by saying what this room is not. I know that we're here to talk about business and finance and even hot topics related to the business world um, and tips and tricks that I use to get me to where I'm at today. Um, And I really want this to be conversational. I would love your input on any tips and tricks that have helped you guys along the way. Because as much as I I'm giving advice. I'm still learning, as I am still young, 27, and I, you know, want to continue learning from others and eager to hear what you have to say. But please, if you guys have any questions, um, please like raise your hand. This is new to me, so I'm I'm learning as as we're doing this tonight. Um, but yeah, but let me say what this room is not. For anyone that's listening, um, I'm not here to give you tips and tricks on how to make money overnight. I'm not a fortune teller here, um, so I'm not going to tell you which stocks to invest in. Um, I do not day trade, nor do I believe in day trading, that is equivalent to gambling. Uh, I do not participate in Forex, so any questions related to day trading and Forex is not going to happen. Um, And specifically with day trading, uh, there are a lot of studies and research out there that uh, there's a 95% failure rate. Uh, So, yeah, I am definitely not a proponent of it. Um, And for people who don't understand what we do or what I did on the trading floor, the men on the exchange floor as well did not day trade. Yes, we traded during the day, but we were not in and out of stocks uh, minute by minute, second by second. Um, the floor is made up of equity traders, DMM specialists, and option traders. I am specialized in equity trading, and I can be honest and say I'm not well versed in option trading. I, it is, it is a lot, but I love hearing when people, um, tell me about their option trading because it's it's another whole other world. Um, I feel like at 27, I've learned a lot when it comes to trading. But one of the things I've learned while working on the floor that a lot of people don't know is that the majority of the men on the floor don't actually trade. Uh, Why? Because a lot of those men have now gone through at least two recessions, excuse me, some even three. And they don't believe in playing the game. My rule of thumb is if you can't play the game if you aren't in it. And you have to do your part when it comes to investing in anything. But, you know, I do encourage trading, but being, you know, healthy and responsible when you're doing it. Um, today, Today's episode is definitely going to be about... Uh, giving tips when it comes to trading, sharing my ethos on how I trade. And I would love for you guys to jump in as little or as a lot, a lot. I would, I would love more. Um, and to hear your approach to investing and trading overall, if you guys have anything that you want to say. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll jump in. One of the first things that I want to make clear is that, uh, you definitely need to be financially in a place where you can trade. I know that there is a lot of advice out there that says the earlier you trade, the better and um you know, I put an asterisk next to that because the reality is if you're not in a position to trade, you shouldn't be trading or investing or any of the above. The focus is you know making sure that you don't have <clears throat> revolving credit card debt <clears throat> that you're paying off your student loans. Do um, you have a savings account set up? You have an emergency account set up. And these are two entirely different things. Um, the old advice of having a savings account, um, one to three months saved up for your living expenses is old and dated. We now know through this pandemic that you really need to have anywhere between six and 12 months uh, to get you through hard times such as you know another pandemic. Um, I see some of your questions, and we're actually going to get to that in a little bit. What, which platform do you use most for investing? Um, and so, yeah, and what's a good place to learn? I think for me, um, when it comes to learning about investing, it's one of those things that you have to use different platforms and mediums. Um, so I definitely use Yahoo Finance, Bloomberg, CNBC, and actually my first six months on the trading floor, I would record, uh, CNBC live, go home at night, rewatch like everything and anything that I didn't understand, I would Google so that I could understand the jargon. I could understand what they were talking about. And that took six months. So there is no rush on, trying to learn the process. There is, um, no fear of missing out. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious for anyone that is learning about investing and trading. Um, can you guys share which platforms you guys like to use and feel free to type or jump in to the conversation? Mm, um, you use Bree uses Vanguard for ETFs, especially with S and P 500. I love that. Robinhood mostly, hoping to invest more somewhere else. And actually, I'll break down different brokerage accounts for you guys, and kind of some of my top picks, and we'll go we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, but, but back to, so making sure that you are financially in good place, having a savings account, emergency fund An emergency fund is not your savings. It's just for emergency car accident, pipe burst in your room, things need to get fixed. Um, and I make sure that you have that. Uh, but once you are in a place where you have all those things checked, checked off, then you can talk you know, about knowing how to invest. And I guess everyone is really curious about different apps, different brokerage firms and like what is right for you. I'll go over a few. Um, we'll go over Merrill, TD Ameritrade and of course Robinhood and like my thoughts around those uh, three. For, for Merrill, it's, it's under Bank of America. Um, the account minimum is $0.00. Their stock trading costs, I believe, is zero dollars. Their option trades are um, 0.65, 65 cents, 0. 0.65, 65 cents per contract. Um, they trade stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and options. Um, and their pros, I mean, obviously they fall under Bank of America. So They have the research and like a lot of educational content that you guys, I think, not you guys, I I just think people in general should make sure that they are getting that educational component. But not only do they have that, they have podcasts, videos, webinars, virtual events, and free tools uh, so that you can, you know, really understand what it is that you're doing. What I also love that they, that Miro is really big on is ESG products, which is environmental social governance um, products, which I'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, But I, I, they're definitely top on the list. I think one of the cons is that they, you're not a, you can't um, trade in fractional shares, uh, which people who don't understand what fractional shares are basically you get to have a fraction, you get to pay a fraction of what the cost of the stock is. So that is nice when you don't have the money to buy one stock of Tesla or some of these other uh, expensive stocks, and you can be able to just pay a portion, which I think is really nice. Um, The other uh, brokerage firm that I'll Talk on is TD Ameritrade. You're able to trade stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, options, Forex, um, and IPO for certain accounts. I uh, think that they're really good and they also have a strong educational component as well, um, which is really nice. I will say, as far as like fees, I mean, they all the fees. Now, Robinhood really disrupted the space of making trading accessible at at a low cost. So having an account minimum of $0, stock trading costs $0, it's kind of, at this point, pretty standard. Um, And then speaking of Robinhood, I think where they are a little bit more strong, sorry, that's my laptop in the back, is that um, we... uh, We Robinhood, um, you know, allows you to trade stocks, ETFs, options, cryptocurrency, um, which I think is nice because a lot of brokerage firms don't allow you to trade cryptocurrency. But yeah, I think we're going to let somebody come up in a second, uh, which I'm excited about. So yeah, I'm waiting for them to... Bring them up. Hey, Kevin. I'm new to options. I've traded Forex, you know, for my, my entire career or whatever, career, trading career. I've made a lot of money. I've made good money, lost money. Like you said, I'm not a fan of day trading at all either. Um, I think it's a waste. Um, But I'm, I am a big advocate of trading during the London and New York session or the crossover, I call it. Um, But I don't really have a question for you. I'm just coming up here to say thank you. For your time, thank you for paving the way. Thank you for doing what you've done, and thank you for continuing to do what you do. And uh, just thank you for all the information. So I'll be, I'll just be pen and paper over here, um, taking down all your notes. And uh, you know for everybody else on the call, you know, I think you guys should do the same because this information, especially for investing and trading, does not happen. So thank you. Enjoy your night, and uh, I'll just be listening. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Thank you for hopping on and. Yeah, no, I I I love that you guys um, inspire me to keep moving forward and like making this information accessible to all. Um, So I think I'm gonna jump into. I know I was saying like what you needed to do to get set up. Um, So financially being in a good place and just in different brokerage uh, firms and hopefully that was able. To help you guys. But another really good um, when it comes to brokerage firms brokerage firms, and looking at which one is good is going to uh, Nerd Wallet, which I just love the way that it's just a simple feature and they break down everything and they give you the pros and the cons. And um, that's how I look at really uh, any account that I'm looking to open on the financial side. Um, but yeah, so... Um, back to, I guess, now, before you start actually trading in stocks, um, one of the big things is like that educational component, which is why I think platforms that have a big education content is, is everything. Um, and that is, you know, really part of your due diligence process, right? Um, I'll first start with techie things that you should know about a company, um, it starts with looking at a company's revenue and with public companies, that's easy to find. You can literally type in whatever company you're looking for into Google and put in blank, blank being the company name, revenue, and their entire revenue, net income, diluted um, earnings per share, et cetera, et cetera, comes up. Um, and you get to understand like the financials and what you're looking at. Um Another thing that you should understand part of your due diligence process is their competitors or the industries um, that are part of that each company is part of and comparing profit margins of a company with two other competitors in the same industry. And also looking at is the company a leader in the industry? Obviously, the ones that are a leader in the industry are not going to be as high of risk. Um, so being able to compare several companies in the same industry, this can give you insight into how the industry is performing and which companies have the leading edge. Um, also, part of the due diligence, really looking at management and share ownership. Uh, the quick thing to know is with the company uh, especially if they're a younger public company, is that company still run by uh, its founders? Do they have, or do they have a lot of new um, people that are running their company? Younger companies will have original founders and those original fi- founders will usually have like high ownership of shares um, as well as managers, which is a great thing. Like that, that's not a bad thing. And low ownership is typically a red flag, and it makes you question why uh, there would be such low participation. Um, Now, that's all for public companies. Say you want to invest in an early startup that's not public; that can be a little tricky because early startups um, statistically have a ninety percent fail rate, uh, which is not great, and that means you could potentially lose all of your investment. But There are pros for companies that you take off. They're and you invest at a lower cost. If the company takes off, you will see a grand return. Um, Companies that I would definitely lean towards would be be companies that are definitely disruptors in their space. Yeah, 90%. That's insane. Um, And then the other thing when it comes to your due diligence, which these are technically... What I'm about to explain is soft due diligence skills versus hard um, is I want you to, I want you guys to really understand what is your why, your ethos. For me and all things interconnected as with my podcast, Mind, Body, Wealth, um, I make it really important to understand about the organization that that I'm investing in. And I'm not talking about the financials. Those things are important, but I don't think that they're everything. I think that it definitely should be a balance. Um, To me, what is important is, you know, looking at things of like how they treat their employees in terms of pay and promotion. Is there equal pay? And how do you find out about this if some of this information is not public? I like to scrub red Reddit like crazy. I feel like Reddit has a lot of answers, <laughs> um, or just looking at pieces on the New York Times. They do a lot of expose pieces that really give insights, and even Business Insider. Uh, so that is really how I find you know how what's the male to female ratio? What um, you know? What are they paying? Do they pay? Do they give you know time off? So I love the question that Regis asked, time in the market versus time, timing in the market for long-term investing. So I'm definitely a proponent of long-term investing. Long-term investing is anything over 12 months plus, but really the, the money that you have, you're taking it and you're, this is disposable income. Basically, this is money that you are not looking for if you lost it. But it's also money that you're not looking to have a quick turnaround. So the longer you invest, the, the better. Warren Buffett, he says it really um, simple as well. And this should be long term. So this should even be longer than 12 months. But 12 months being the, the minimum standard and um, looking at this 10, 20, 30 years and not getting too crazy about uh, what is going on in the headlines. Headlines typically are just noise. They really are not an indication as far as if the company is doing well or not. Tesla is definitely, for me, um, and I'm not going to give too much advice on like which stocks you should and shouldn't invest in, but Tesla, I will say, is part of my portfolio, and it's something that I'm holding. And my reasons, at least behind Tesla, is that they're a disruptor in their space, especially in the EV Space, um, yes, Elon Musk is a bit nutty or a lot nutty, um, and but at the end of the day, they mileage on their battery alone in their car, no other competitor even touches. Porsche is coming out with an EV vehicle um, that I want to say is like two hundred and fifty thousand and dollars, and not the stock, the car, and. Uh, the mileage on like one charge is 100 miles, which is insane because even a basic model Tesla that I think right now is selling for like 45,000 is at least 300 miles. So that is something that I lean into. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I've been seeing like Rivian, like what are your thoughts on Rivian? I'm probably chopping this name up, their valuation. It's really hard with these new... I guess they're not really a startup, but really hard with these new companies and their valuations when they don't have a product. Tell me that their car battery is going on one charge 400 miles, then I would agree with their valuation. <clears throat> but because they don't have a product product to um, stand by, it's, it's a little bit of, who. like again, it's back to what I was saying earlier, like it's just noise. I guess we'll see when they finally launch their first car, like what we're actually talking about. But as far as in the EV space, um, they are definitely, Tesla is definitely still a disruptor. Uh, so that's just something to, to be mindful about. Um, but realize like trading isn't the only place that you can invest. You can invest in your education, you can invest in your business, you can invest in early startups, which um I don't know. Personally, I think I'm just more in a space, and you don't have to be wealthy to invest in early startups. Like you can invest a hundred dollars if you wanted to invest in early, um, in a hundred dollars. But, um, but there is obviously a, a high risk with that. But I do think because the market has just been so volatile, um, and inflation rates are crazy. Like we're we're just in weird times where. If you're thinking long term and you're thinking long game, this is the opportunity with that extra disposable cash. So you're really not thinking about anyways where you can play with different things and you can play with things in like crypto, the crypto space, which I'm not a proponent of, but like I like rather invest my money in a startup than I would in crypto, but that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But you can get as little or not creative as you want. I just think investing in the stock market right now is is a little bit insane. So for me, I personally do stock pick and that is that process of doing my due diligence and um, really, uh, look, really looking at companies that align with me. I, I love looking at corporations and, um, and again, seeing what their hiring practices are, seeing what corporations are doing for the communities in which they're at. So if you're in a low socioeconomic group, I want to see that you're hiring people from that community, giving scholarships, like those things align with me and, um, and are, you know, important to me. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see what else, what else? Yeah. Um, Outside of that, um, any other questions? I feel like I've been talking a lot, but I do I do love the questions that are coming in. I <laughs> can't wait for the crypto talk, yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, um, so yeah, I just want you guys to just be really um, diligent and don't have this fear of... Um, missing out when it comes to investing in the stock market because, you know, I love people who say to me, Oh, don't you wish you invested in Amazon years ago? There will be another unicorn stock when I don't know, I'm not a fortune teller, but there's always, um, there's always an opportunity. How can you tell which early startups to invest in given most fail? You know, it is a high risk, obviously. Um, and it's something that you have to be mindful of. But I think it really just comes down to would it matter? like you investing will further that company, um, right, for the better, regardless if they, they, they fail or they don't. So I think it's really investing in companies that make sense to you. And whether that's an early startup or that is um, just investing in the stock market in general. And if there's a mom and pop coffee shop that you love frequently, frequenting um, invest because you want to see them continue to grow. You want to see them continue to stay in the community and really just looking at things that really align with you. Outside of early startup investing, I think the other important thing is to understand what your risk tolerance level is um, because your risk tolerance will tell you if you can make more risky decisions um, and how do you know your risk tolerance, and I'll answer some of these questions in a second. Um, Investing more than 1% of your portfolio into crypto is high. Gambling is high. Day trading is high risk, right? All these things are high. Low is going to be investing in a high yield savings account, um, which pretty much you're just parking your money. You're not really... The interest rates are so low that I don't really even know if it makes a difference. Um, but you, know, you, you can grow your money and you're literally taking on zero risk by putting money into a high yield savings account. I personally feel like there are other ways. It, it's really not the best way to grow your wealth long term. Um, and the rate of um, inflation is higher than the what the what a high yield savings account will give you, which I believe right now is like I think most high yield savings account will only give you like 065 return, 0.65 Uh, percent, which is just astronomically low. Um, but as far as let's see, would you love to would love to know what you think about paying loans off versus investing? Yeah, so back to kind of what I talked about earlier, making sure that you are paying those student loans off those that credit debt, that credit card debt off, and and having your emergency and savings account set up before you start investing are important. The stock market's not going anywhere, but if you only have five dollars and you have 10 in debt, you're not going to, this is reality, you're not going to, for the most part, so you know, 99.9% of the time, you're not going to put the, your $5 that you have and your $10 that you have in debt into the stock market with, their, with the hope that, oh my goodness, I'm going to get $100 back and then I'll be able to pay off my debt. That would be nice that would even be nice in the crypto space. And I know that we hear these wins of these people making money overnight. But the reality is, is that that's very, you know, low odds. Um, so it, it's really about being smart and tr- strategic. But I'm also more conservative. That goes back to that high, low risk tolerance and understanding what your risk tolerance is because mine is low. And yes, I was an equity trader. So I know people get a little confused about that, but I've seen people, you know, lose all their money and have very good strategies. And so for me, I just rather be a little bit more conservative, but the younger you are, the more risk you can take on and you can be willing to, to play around with your money. Um, and then how much of your monthly income should you be investing? Well, if you have all those things, there's the 50-30-20 rule. 50% goes to your your bills, your day-to-day. 30% goes to your future. And 20% goes to having fun. Um, or you can flip the 30 and the 20. Um, so for your future, investing would be part of that 30% and you would break it down from there. Um, and that 30%, that would include your emergency fund that you, you're you saving up for and your emergency fund and your savings account. And then that would also include investing. Um, so you can do the the math from there. But what I don't love those, I don't love the 50-30-20 rule because I've, I've, it's a good starter, right? But everyone's situation is a little bit different. And You might be prioritizing other things in your life that don't really make sense to follow the 50-30-20 rule, but I think minimally it's a good basic start to have. But yes, I would encourage to pay off your student loans. And this was kind of the year if you were in a position, you still had a job to pay off your student loans um, because uh, they put a pause on interest and you literally were just making payments directly without accruing any interest on your student loans. Uh, which is nice. Um, But that will be over come January and that'll be a whole nother conversation of what that looks like. Um, Let's see. Any advice on percentage in the market of stocks versus bonds for long-term? I heard your percentage in bonds should be around your age. Um, So Yes, but I actually don't invest in bonds. Um, I think that there is going to be different advice for different people. Again, I don't like giving that generic advice. I'm going to be honest with you guys because everyone's situation is a little bit different. I personally don't like. I I literally take the time to sit down and I stock pick. There are going to be other people that are going to talk to you that are going to say, you know, invest in um, ETFs and mutual funds. I think you have to do what's right for you. If you want, you can get um, a financial advisor. It's actually not costly as people would like to think, or even get a robo advisor, which uh, essentially does the work for you. Um, but for me, I, I like to just sit down and really understand what it is that I'm doing. And this is not a person. Yes, I'm. You're hearing this from me because it's like, okay, I'm a person who worked on the trading floor, so I might have a little bit more insights. It's, I'm not, it's, not, it's not overly complicated. You, it's mostly really common sense in realizing that this is a marathon, not a sprint, and that you have time to make these decisions and you don't have to do anything impulsive or right at this moment. Really, really, really take your time to educate and understand why you're investing or why they have that the rule that the younger you are, you, you know, if you're 27, you should be investing 27% in bonds. Um, so, yeah, how to know when to sell your stocks. That one is tricky because the year that we had, I would have never advised anyone to sell their stocks, honestly, um, because. They are going to bounce back, um, and but I do think, you know, it's part of that same due diligence. Like, how bad is the stock hurting? What is your situation? Are you looking to sell? Um, because you, you know, trading in the or investing in the stock market does have an, um benefits for the long term, where you do have that extra. Um, cash, if, if you need to tap into looking for um, additional money. So that that one's a tricky one because, and I have a friend who's uh, not a financial advisor, but he's a wealth manager and I pick his brain all the time. But um, it, you have to sit down, do your pros and cons. I know that's so generic and really assess why you're selling. But I do think As of right now, especially if you had it throughout this entire pandemic, or even if you didn't, like, hold on to it. Unless something astronomical comes out, I don't really see there being a reason to to sell. Um, And then when it comes to financial advisors, it really varies. Financial advisors are kind of like, therapists, you should be talking to any and everyone, right? Um, And you shouldn't just have one face meeting and then that should be it. Um, so, you know, their fees can, can range, um, anywhere from like two to $10,000, which I know is like crazy. I wouldn't, um, I I wouldn't get too boggled down, but, and then their fee also is on a percentage basis, which can be, I think like 0.25% to 1%, but it really just depends on, um, the individual client, but that is why you have those conversations. You understand what their fees are. And um, cause some, I believe are an hourly fee. Some are an annual rate. Some are just assets under management. Um, so it, it really depends. But for like a robo advisor, there's a lot of different robo advising apps that are out there. I think it's annually for a robo-advisor. No, that's not per month. That's, uh, oh my gosh, no, that would be insane. That's for the entire year. (laughs) That would be insane. Blue chip stocks are usually the more conservative stocks to look towards. Um, I, I don't have anything against them again, but I, I'm a type of person who really sits down and stocks, stock picks. And I know people are, um, you know, that, that takes time to like work that, that muscle, but they usually are able to operate, um, in good and bad situations. Sorry, my phone just went blank. Um, but oh, I thought there was another question. But yeah, um, they can be beneficial, but I, I think it just takes a little figuring out what is what and going from there. And then the other um, advice, kind of back to the financial advisor, is just like I said, making sure you're sitting down, talking to multiple people, setting people, setting meetings, understand, have your financial understand your financial advisor understand what your needs are, and making sure that those needs are met. And I think once you're able to do that, you can be comfortable about people uh, making decisions on behalf of you, especially when it comes to money and finances. And then this other question, what are your thoughts on musicians selling music as NFTs? I think that I, I am way more of a pro- proponent of NFTs than I am crypto. i am I'm actually obsessed with, I mean, maybe that's really strong with that space. I do think it's, Creative, it makes sense, Um, and I just find that a lot more trustworthy. I mean, we are literally digitalizing things that people already were making um, money off, and it, you know, has an electronic ID and trail. Once it moves to someone else's hands, and the original person that has the NFT is, oh, that money is always going back to them. So. I'm I'm a fan of NFTs. Um and then I don't know if his question is what are your thoughts on musicians selling music as NFTs, which again, the if we think about it, the um the record labels, I mean it really is equivalent to like having someone's masters, right? Because most record labels own that and Uh, it's not digital ties, but it's, we're in a new wave. So it makes sense to to have it as an NFT. Um, But the other follow-up to that is, or even clothing. I'm not really sure what that means. NFT clothing? Is that what that question is? I'm not sure. Um, So yeah, I hope this little, Yeah, it's a new yeah a new type of asset. I just hope that uh, this little tutorial on uh, investing was helpful. Uh, I cannot wait to see you guys in the next room, uh, which will be December second because we are all going to celebrate Thanksgiving and enjoy our families and good food or. Just being, you know, with ourselves. Uh, but I can't wait to have the next conversation, and I'm pretty sure that one will be more business related. But please, um, you know, follow me in Money Moves, so you don't miss the next one. And please reach out on Instagram, La Simmons, and DM me. Let me know what you guys are interested in wanting to hear in these in these rooms. And of course, next time, like, we we'll love to have you guys come on stage and interact with me more if you guys want. I really loved your questions. They were great. And for my first room, I really appreciate everyone's time tonight. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. You guys are so sweet. The best, the best. I will talk to you guys soon. You guys have a good night.